Good evening. You know, as we think about all the challenges that lie ahead of us, the opportunities, I wanted to say that as we're getting started with our preparation for Equipped, we've not said as much about this second one because we were introducing the concept last year. There are things already going on behind the scenes, and very soon we'll be soliciting your help and all that needs to happen for us to uh, pull off what I believe will be even a better second attempt uh, at the equipped seminar workshop uh, at, that we started last year. I did want to say how much we're grateful to Holly Wilson for the beautiful brochure that uh, she produced. I'm not sure that she'd ever done anything like this, though she has vast experience in graphics. You'll see those on the table as you make your way out the door. I encourage you to pick one up and see all that's uh, being offered Uh, Be uh, looking out for videos. I believe Cassie is going to be videoing several individuals in uh, different demographics and groups as an encouragement for uh, publicity, social media. Alicia Pennington, as she has done before, has done so much to help us to get prepared for hotels for our guests. And then almost 30 came together on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago to put together a mail-out of 1,006 brochures Uh, that are being mailed all over this region. And so we're excited. We have, if you'll look at that lineup, some of the best speakers you can find anywhere uh, to encourage us as we grow in our faith. Uh, We'll be talking uh, next week about our theme for 2024. uh, And let's just say that the workshop will certainly encourage us in the theme that uh, has been selected by our elders. It's a great time. So many good things that are happening Encourage the men, the males, I like the way Hiram put that this morning. Garrett Bookout is the speaker for the men's retreat. He is the preacher for the Southern Hills Congregation in Franklin, Tennessee. does an excellent job, uh, and we look forward to him being uh, the speaker for that. Someone has called a New Year's resolution something that goes in one year and out the other. You know, you think about the resolutions, uh, the resolutions that you've written down. I don't know if you do that. If you keep a record somewhere so that you can go back and see how you're doing. One man wrote his resolutions down, really just a a brief one-line resolution for each year. At the start of 2019, he wrote down, I am going to work until I get my weight under 180 pounds. 2020. I'm going to follow my new diet religiously until I can get my weight under 200 pounds. 2021, I'm going to take a much more realistic attitude toward my weight. 2022, I am going to the gym to work out three times every week. 2023, I am going to drive past a gym at least once every week. I don't know how your resolutions are, it's... December 31st, 2023, can you remember the resolutions you made back on January 1st? If so, have you carried through? Where are you on that? A vast majority of people fail in their resolutions within the first 60 days. But there's something about us that makes us want to strive to make those resolutions, to do better, to reach forward. And as was said so well this morning, it doesn't have to happen on January 1st, but any time is a good time. You know, it has been said, a happy new year. Lord, may I so live, I'll bring no tear to an eye. And then this happy new year in time will end. May it be said, I played the friend. And lived and loved and labored here. 
to make of it a happy year. If the Lord allows us to live and he doesn't return between now and December 31st, 2024, we'll be able to look back and have some retrospective to see how things are going. I love the book of Ephesians. It's one of my favorite New Testament books. I love the way the Apostle Paul lays it out. But when the Apostle Paul writes, he refers to himself in a lot of different ways. The most common, it seems, is he calls himself a prisoner in Christ and an ambassador in chains. But there's another way that Paul refers to himself in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, and that is as the least of all saints. It's a nod to the guilty past that he had. But he writes to the Christians at Ephesus, and he characterizes them in a great many ways. He is going to refer to them with several synonyms or adjectives to describe them. But even as he talks about their glorious present as faithful Christians, he also looks back to where they came from. The Apostle Paul tells them that while they are physically Gentiles, that there was a time not long before when they were not yet in Christ when they were spiritually like the rest of the Gentiles. So what Paul does in the first part of the letter is he ties himself together with these Ephesian Gentile converts and he talks about what they had in common and that was a guilty past, a grace-filled present, and a glorious future. And he points to all the ways that God had blessed them both. When you look at what Paul says that God has done in the first part of the letter, he says he chose us. He predestined us. He lavished us with His grace. He redeemed us. He revealed His will to us. He indwelled us. He loved us. He made us alive. He raised us up together and He granted us boldness and access. The Apostle Paul is saying, as you look at where you've been, I want you to see that what God has saved you from and I want you to see having been saved what God wants you to do now. And so the, the, after he has laid that kind of a foundation and has told them what God has done for them both, the past that he has erased, he gets to the purpose for why he's written the letter. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I truly believe that this is the heart of the purpose of the letter. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or urge you that you walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you are called. And for the rest of the letter... He tells them, based on where you've come from, what God has done for you, here's how God wants you to live. So the rest of the letter is about the walk. He says that, first of all, you are not to walk as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. He says in chapter 5 and verse 2, I want you to walk as in love. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, I want you to walk as children of light. And then in Ephesians 5 and verse 15, he says, I want you to walk as wise men. And I want you to think about how that is the rest of the letter. If you go to that second admonition to walk in chapter 5 and verse 2, he says, I want you to walk in love because that's walking like Christ. And that's walking in a way that takes you away from the immorality that's so much a part of this world. And then he says, I want you to walk in light. You walk in light because this is the way that pleases God. This is the right way. Because the way of darkness that he describes in chapter 5 is full of shame. And he says, the light exposes the darkness. Then he says, I want you to walk as wise men. And he tells them how to do that. You walk as wise men in your daily life. 
You walk as wise men in worship. Walk as wise men in your marriage and in your home life, in your occupation, and in your fight with the devil. But it's that first admonition in chapter 4 and verse 17 that I want us to focus on in a very special way tonight. In fact, if you look at verse 17 where he says, I don't want you to walk as the other Gentiles walk, that's followed by what he says from chapter 4, verse 17 through 32. He does not change the subject for the rest of the chapter. And he says, what does it look like to walk not as the Gentiles walk? And I want to take those words and those thoughts And I want us to consider how this can help us as we walk into 2024. I don't know if exercise is a part of your daily routine. And they say that of all the ways that you can get aerobic exercise, and there's quite a few, that the one that's the most healthy, the lowest impact, that produces the greatest good is walking. I wish I could walk. I'm too impatient to walk. But they say that those who do it benefit, and certainly that's true spiritually. As we think about the walk, not as the Gentiles walk, I want us to notice just three things. The first thing I want us to notice is that as we walk into 2024, we can walk laying, or we should walk, laying aside the old self. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is going to say that in the singing that we do, we admonish one another, we teach one another in this reciprocal activity that we do to one another. What I'd like for us to do now is to consider in song some of the ways that we can obey this first admonition in verse 22. First verse, 473. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day when Jesus walked. I am mine no more. I am mine no more, I am mine no more, I've been bought with blood, and I am mine no more. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. 
Most Highest, I will come to I bring my sin to thee, the sins I cannot count, that all may cleansed be in thy once open fount. I bring them, Savior, all to thee, the burden is to for me, the burden is too great for me. You know, the Apostle Paul in the second part of the letter is going to do a lot to connect back to the first part of the letter. And even as Paul is encouraging them of this worthy walk that's not like the Gentiles, he is going to remind them of where they used to be. He is going to point them back to their past, not in some way to rub their noses in it or to keep them reminded uh, and drugged down where they were, but to remind them of what they had escaped. And the Apostle Paul gives us a negative chain reaction that takes place before one comes into Christ. If you begin that reading in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul says that it begins with old reactions. The old man is going to react in a way that's unacceptable in this sense. He says, walk not as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The way that is characteristic of one before they come into Christ is one whose rationale, whose thinking when it comes to moral and ethical and doctrinal decisions is called by Paul empty and worthless. And Paul says that, like me, you can look back to your pre-Christian life and you can find ways in which you are ashamed. The world is going to react to things from an empty or a worthless point of view. When it approaches the basic decisions of life, and these are things that impact us, whether it's the matter of road rage or an adulterous relationship or cheating on our taxes or our view or attitude toward abortion. The Apostle Paul says we've got to have clear thinking, thinking that's given its value and worth by God. But he also says there's an old rationale. You start with a skewed way of thinking. It's going to put blinders on your eyes. The Apostle Paul says in chapter 4 and verse 18 that these Gentiles, those before they come into Christ, are those who have this empty way of life and are darkened in their understanding. The culture in which we find ourselves trying to stay resolved to live lives that bring glory to God, our lives are going to be surrounded by people who have life upside down. This idea of having the eyes blinded is it's hard for us to see life as God sees things because we're clouded in our thinking. We don't see life as God sees them. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, when he says a generation in his lifetime were those who saw evil as good and good as evil, that put darkness for light and light as darkness, who were clever in their own eyes and wise in their own sight. And you go back to verse 12 and he says it's because they have not considered the ways of the Lord or his works. And so when we can't see God the, the right way, it's going to lead us to be darkened in our understanding. Then Paul reminds them that there was an old relationship that they had before they came into Christ. Before people come into a right relationship with Christ, they're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. 
Now, Paul is writing to people who've already made the decision to come into Christ. But he says, look, you need to remember, because not long ago, this is how it was. You didn't see life the way God did, because you didn't see God in the way that you should. And there was an old routine. You pursued impurity with all greediness. Paul says that's the way it was before. But you have escaped that. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, you're now brought near by the blood of Christ. And so we find ourselves constantly, and Paul's going to say more about this in our context, constantly trying to throw off the old man, this laying aside the old man, the very things that we sing about and why we encourage one another in our songs to be reminded of what we used to be, but the fact that we're not that anymore is to encourage us. As we think about that old way, it's a way that destroys. And so as we walk into 2024, there is ever the needed reminder that we continue to lay aside the old man when we consider where we were when that was the case. Then the Apostle Paul says that once you lay aside the old man, something that's a part of your life, and as we walk properly, not as the Gentile walked, is that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And so think about how often we sing about the new heart, the new thinking, the new mind that is to be within us. And as we encourage one another, let's think about that in the context of what Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 23. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way while we do abides with us still, and will all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. The word renew is only found in this verse in all the New Testament. But the word means exactly what it seems like. It means to be made new again. And as the Apostle Paul is writing here, what he's talking about is a very critical pivot point. This is where we've got to fight the battle every day. You think about the songs that we have just sung and how it deals with where we're fighting the battle with ourselves every day. When we are dealing with those who are around us on a daily basis that are not living the way that we know that we ought to live and we're buried with stress or we find ourselves confronted with that flirtatious co-worker or that neighbor who is trying to lure us away. Or we find ourselves surrounded by those who are thinking and saying those things that are old man things. And tempting us to go right back where we were before. How many days will there be in 2024 when we find ourselves exactly in that place? But it's no accident that God has men and women who are spiritually no longer Gentiles. That he needs us there with those who spiritually are considered the world. But he doesn't want us to be corrupt or deceived in our thinking. He needs us to be on the front line to demonstrate to them how a new mind thinks. And that new mind is a process that's got to continue. And the Apostle Paul loves to carry out this theme. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, he talks about how the new person is going to be renewed according to true knowledge. So you notice the songs that we sang, including that last one, that we trust and obey. The obedience comes from the trust or faith that we put in God's Word. Or in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where the Apostle Paul says, as we are so familiar, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the question is, what if we didn't do so great? What if we caved and what if we compromised instead of showing courage and conviction in 2023? What can we do going forward? The Apostle Paul says, look, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
You see, the resolve that we should have each and every day, a resolve that we should have tomorrow and every day of our lives is that when we have fallen off of that spiritual horse, to get back on again, to renew the mind in this ongoing process. And as you've already seen, there's a third admonition that the Apostle Paul gives. If we're going to walk properly into 2024, we have got to put on the new self. Out of that pivot point, the Apostle Paul is not just going to say, here's what you were in before and here's what you may go back to and here's where you've got to fight the battle in your mind. But then there's going to be some evidence that is seen. And so we sing songs all the time that are encouraging us to live a new and a different man, that we're not who we used to be. And those songs of encouragement help us, remind us of our commitment and call us higher to live the way God wants us to live. Let's sing about that. I walk with the Savior each step of the way. I trust Him to guide me by night and by day. Not dreading tomorrow, nor what it may bring. I'm safe in the keeping of Jesus the King. Each step of the way, night and by day, leads nearer the home, eternally fair, where we shall meet loved ones, awaiting us there, who walked here with Jesus, each step of the
Bible here, since we already sang this song, uh, let's sing, everybody will know it, I have decided to follow Jesus, I think it will go uh, in line with this point. I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. What we can always love about Scripture is that God never leaves us in the hold. He shows us how to come out. And he also connects again on this point back to chapter 2. He says that when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with him, but having saved us by grace through our faith, he says that we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. These works are the very works that the Apostle Paul is going to associate with the new man, and it falls into several categories. And it really becomes the resolution that can be a part of our lives each and every day. And as I look at that in terms of the new man, I ask myself, or I look at these categories, and I say, I want to be a man of integrity. As I look at verse 25, I want to be somebody who is always known for telling the truth, somebody whose word can be trusted. But I also want to be somebody who is possessed of self-control. People who see me, I want them to know that I have control of myself, especially, as Paul would say here, of my temper in verse 26 and 27. As people look at me, do they see me as somebody who is reigning over my spirit or is my spirit reigning over me? Am I one who is full of grudges or someone who is quick to let it go? I also want to be, as the new man, somebody who has the proper work ethic. As I look at how I conduct myself on the job, I want to be trusted with everything that's put into my hand and not be one who they have to worry about whether I'm going to follow through on what I say or not. Verse 28, I also want to be an edifier. In verse 29, I want to be one who is known as an encourager in my speech, one who is lifting up others with my words, who uses timely speech. I want to be holy. As I look at what Paul says in verse 30, when others look at me, I want them to know that I belong to him. I want them to be able to tell just by their interaction with me. I also want to be one who has the right attitude. As I look at verse 31, I want to avoid those six sins of attitude that the Apostle Paul says has no part of the new man life. And I also want to be one of compassion. Verse 32, one who will forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven me. Doesn't that become the fodder of the challenge of how we can live our life from this day forward? As people look at me, can they see one who is going to be honest with them all the way down to whether or not I'm going to tell the truth about the gospel? Are they going to see me as one who is unruly in spirit or someone who is in possession of myself? When they look at me, are they going to see someone that they can entrust What's important to them, whatever it is. Are they going to look at me and see that my life is different, that I'm not conformed to this world? When they look into my life, are they going to ask themselves, why is he always obnoxious? Why is he ever complaining? Why is he negative? Why is he a troublemaker? Or will they say, there is a person who is kind and tenderhearted and forgiving others? 
Can't you see how we can look back a year from now and have measurable uh, standards to ask whether or not we've made improvement in that new man, new woman areas? CNN tells the story of seven people who were involved in horrific accidents and it terribly disfigured their faces. All of them received a face transplant. And even though you can look at them and see that their, their new face now is better than what it was, their after photo is better than their accident photo, if you were to ask them, and they did ask some of them, they would prefer to look like they originally did more than what they looked like after this procedure was done. But it's the opposite for us. When we look at where we were before Jesus Christ, we look at our inner selves and our souls, we see that we were dead, that we were separated from him. But because we took on Christ, because we laid aside the old man, we were renewed in the spirit of our mind, and we have put on the new man. When God looks at us, because we're redeemed, he sees something different. He doesn't see our sins, but he sees the blood of Christ covering our sins. And when we look at ourselves, we can see ourselves differently because we've been renewed in the spirit of our minds. And when others look at us, they can see us differently, understanding, seeing evidence of the new man in us. Some years ago, I got the Strava app that helps to record workouts of various types. And it's a good way to kind of measure whether you're keeping the goals that you have in fitness. But it's also encouraging, and it's happened since I moved here, that there are other people in this congregation, men who are also a part of a a club. I think Josh started that and invited some of us. And it gives you a chance to kind of challenge one another and keep one another accountable. God has given us something far greater for what matters more than diet and debt relief. And that is he has given us one another. He's given us his word. And he's given us guidance on how to use that word to live better lives in the future. He's told us how to properly walk, not as the Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them according to the deceitful lust. But you have not so learned Christ, if you've been taught the truth in Him as it is in Christ Jesus, that you put off concerning the old man, that one who is corrupted according to the deceitful lust, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new man, which after Christ is created in godliness and all true holiness. That's our encouragement as we go into this new year. To walk, putting aside the old, continuing to renew the mind. And to walk that new man walk. Maybe this evening you've never put on Christ. You find yourself, as it's described in Ephesians chapter 2, alienated from the life of God. There's nothing he wants more. No greater way for us to end the year than for you to respond to his grace through faith. To submit to that one baptism of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5 and to become a new creature. Maybe as a child of God, you need to resolve to make some changes in your life. To go forward living differently than you have been living in the past. The Lord longs for that renewal and grants it to those who come to him for it. If there's any way in which you need to respond to heaven's invitation, we would encourage you to come right now as we stand and sing.